Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I am Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamant. And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you, Rob? Today, Russell, I'm feeling cute and made late later. (laughs) Um, later. And I've also (laughs) been thinking all day about posting a picture of myself in a rainbow jumper and I was actually going to write feeling cute will not delete later because I'm sick of this whole thing. I think if you're feeling cute, you should be empowered enough to like feel it and own it. And, Embrace um, it, yeah. Yeah. So that's my current mood. So you hang on totally a minute, you've got frank. a rainbow jumper. I have a rainbow jumper, yeah. <laughs> I've been posting it quite a lot on Instagram already. Um, anyway, this idea of cuteness is a kind of a discussion that has happened around today's guests' work, but it's not the only Uh, topic of conversation there are so many incredible elements um one of them just being a point uh sorry one of them being a very positive joyous kind of visceral energy which i've always picked up on when seeing this artist work both um on the internet and instagram initially uh thanks to our friend jeffrey mitchell who uh the artist in um, san francisco who first told you about the work in may this year and then you told me and then the two of us went to our friend's space in uh, Piccadilly Circus train station and soft opening gallery and we saw her exhibition there and it tr- was truly extraordinary and so joyous and so exciting and I'm really into all these ideas of kind of like patchwork um, elements and armour and many other things which we can discuss in today's episode. So we would like to welcome to Talk Art Narumi Hi Narumi Hi, thank you both so much for having me today. It's such a joy. Oh, we're over the moon. So before we carry on, before we recorded this, we asked you how to pronounce your surname properly and you told us, but what is the story of your surname? Where does that come from in the world? So my last name is Nekpen Nekpen and it's mm-hmm. my dad's Nigerian last name. Mm-hmm. It, it mean? means to live a long and peaceful life. Beautiful. That's, and is it a, a common name in Nigeria? Um, I think so. I'm not too sure. My dad's very cryptic about like his identity and his past and his whole um, country. And so every time I try to ask questions or speak to him, I never get a thorough feedback back. So maybe yes, no, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And you, you grew up in, in Japan, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. I was there until I was seven, could not speak English. And, um, 
before I realized we were like living in California for a year. And I was like, are we going to go back to Japan? And then they're like, no, like we're living here. So wow. it was. What, what, what was that like growing? Because you grew up in Kashiwa yeah. in Japan. Yeah. Yes. And what was that like? Can you, can you have, do you have visceral memories of being there until seven? I do. Yeah. So I was born and raised in Kashiwa, Japan, which is a prefecture in Chiba. And um, what does that mean? So what does prefixture actually mean then? I think it means city because okay. Kashiwa is in Chiba and Chiba is the state. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah, I mean, all of my childhood memories are definitely in Japan. I loved it there. Um, we lived in a place that was still countryside, but a little bit of city. So it was a good balance of like smoggy air city life but also like rice pat fields and um our backyard was still kind of like a forest and so at night it'd be really scary because all the lights would go out and it'd just be pitch black wow (laughs) so is there a part of you that is always longing to go back to japan yeah Definitely. I think before I stumbled upon my ceramic career, I was always homesick because I felt like I didn't really know what I was doing here. Uh Um, It wasn't until I felt like I had something I wanted to do living in California um, before I didn't feel so homesick anymore. (laughs) Interesting. So that kind of sense of purpose and creativity has almost become like a home in itself, I guess, like definitely Um, yeah awesome and um do you think your work is connected to those memories of growing up in in japan and some kind of like longing or homesickness that somehow you know becomes part of the works that you make definitely yeah my work is like a diary to me despite i mean i sometimes do write words on my pieces but for the most part it's glazes or how i make the pieces and it's not necessarily like an obvious read but all of my childhood memories everything i'm longing for despite childhood and the present like in the future it's all definitely me kind of surging it out of my body and putting it onto my pieces. So yeah, it definitely encompasses everything. <laughs> I love that. Well, diary entries physically realised they are. But let's well, let's talk about how you found art then. So where was you in your life, and had you always wanted to be an artist? You think growing up, and how did you come to ceramics? That's a really good question. I so growing up, I was always pressured into becoming a doctor or a nurse um, mm-hmm. because financially. So in Japan, um, I was living with my grandparents and they're really supportive. And then we moved to California and we were just like living paycheck by paycheck. Like my parents were working so hard while also sending money back to my family in Nigeria. And so being a financial pillar for my family, I think was a pressure that I felt as a kid. And so, First year of college, I was like, do I study biology or do I kind of like experiment and just go into the arts? And I've always really been into clothes. I don't have an art background or anything, but I loved clothing and clothes and how people express themselves through clothes and how um, the item of clothes just like fell on people's bodies. And Mm. so... And in my mind, like my romanticized idea of ceramic was that you use your whole body. And I loved that. And so I just jumped into it. And then 
I was like, I think this is my passion. And then it became what it is now. So it was very like, um, I just like dove right into it. That's so cool. And you work with slab porcelain clay. Yes. So that term slab, you know, it kind of makes me think of like, you know, big blocks of, of, of clay in a way. So mm. that in itself, if you think about in layers of fabric or something, there's something quite like not just building blocks, which I think is also maybe a concern in the sense of like constructing worlds or um, I've even seen it in the soft opening uh, text that went with your show, this idea of an army of lovers, you know, like some yes. kind of like, like you're creating some kind of positive universe or something within the work. But can you speak a bit about how important the slab is and like that, that actual particular approach to making ceramics? Yes, um, I honestly am not too familiar with the history of ceramics, but I mm -hmm. just know that the vase and functional work has been a very dynamic um, attribute to ceramics and when I first was working with clay I just hated like vases and this idea of the piece having to hold something um, other mm. than itself and so I was like I want to work with slabs and then somehow make a work that's also just visceral like on the inside despite like um, the structure being covered by slabs um, I just wanted to get away from the idea of like a vase or a cup or something that um, holds something with like an opening and mm. so that's it was like a sincere um, wanting of just like wanting to extract my way of working from the history of ceramics and I think that's just how it ended up with like just roughly putting slabs like roughly but also precisely in its own way um communicating with the slabs and so that's and it's worked and sometimes like the slabs will droop on its own I honestly don't have any control which is amazing <laughs> um, like I can spend a whole day um, putting the slabs on my pieces and I can leave it for like 10 minutes to wash my hands or get something to drink and then it'll just collapse and fall and so my pieces are very strong but um, I don't like the word fragile but they're very um, moving like they're never stable and so they can collapse or they can stand it's not really up to me I just have to trust and also take it. Wow. So you, you celebrate the kind of folding in of itself at times of of the sculpture and suddenly the because exactly. they are you you work with the figure a lot so I guess it's the figure that you then build and then the personality it makes its own personality then when you send it off yes exactly like the piece in the soft opening show there's a piece of two pieces with the heads together kind of like yep. falling into each other yes. I'm at getting first, dizzy let's stop is it yes that one? yeah exactly yep. at first it was supposed to be like two figures bumping heads but because they slumped into each other it looks like they kind of like encompass and are hugging each other and so um yeah that was not intentional but I really loved how that piece came about yeah. It's interesting, the idea of breaking free as well from kind of traditions or expected, like almost like as a viewer, you have a kind of association with a material or even it, like a painting, like you have all the history of painting in front of you. So by breaking free of that vessel, you know, of, of something that's practical or domestic or, you know, it does Functional, become its yeah. own universe even more, doesn't it? Like it's kind of breaking free of all those histories. Yeah, definitely. And it's a really good feeling um, just kind of not having to 
go by a blueprint or like a tradition mm-hmm. of something and just kind of intuitively and sincerely facing this block of clay that does not care um, and just kind of having a dialogue with it having a fit with it just being rough um, I feel like you can either be the one that like controls the clay or the clay can control you depending on like where your headspace is at so I feel like every time I'm working with clay um, it, there's a f- some kind of like familiarity but it's honestly a new experience every time your work is very um, recognisable now. Once you see your work, you see in the room your piece, then you spot another in the room your piece and you know it's yours. How quickly did you get to that style and, and harness that and work in that? And, and you call these your BBs, which is a shorthand for babies. How, how soon into discovering this kind of mode of uh, making art did you know that you wanted to go down this road? Um, I think just kind of going back to myself and so my first show was at Odd Arc LA and um, I titled that show Toothache and Mm. so I'm someone who has if I'm feeling something I have to exert it out and at that time clay was my outlet and so um, with like not really paying attention to the history of clay and not really using ceramics as my reference and just using like my experiences, um, my time with my friends, what I see in my neighborhood um, and like extracting those things and putting it into my work, I think allowed for my work to have its own language. Mm-hmm. And um, before the soft opening show, I was taking more time to think about the conversation around my pieces because the word cute or yes before I used to call my pieces babies but I think now I have like a newfound respect for them where um, I think at that time I felt like they're something I created so they're my babies but now Mm. I see them more as like their own pieces and it was really interesting like I had this breaking point where like working with clay can be really painful for me. And so after going through all that pain and then the piece coming out of the kiln and then being um, shown in a space or like living in a new home, I kind of have this new perspective towards them where it's like, maybe they're not my babies. They're just a piece that I created. And so- Why painful? Why is it a painful process? Because rather than um, like ignoring what I'm going through, I'm so it's like a toothache, like a cavity, like I have a cavity, you know, in life, like things happen and it's not always like the happiest. Um, and so rather than using it something rather than using clay as something to cope with, it's just a place where I can be my most vulnerable self and just like take that cavity out of myself and kind of like you know, turn it into this physical thing, which are my pieces. Um, It's so interesting. Like my, for my first solo, I was going through like this heartache. And so I used clay as a way to just express what I was feeling and like create a tangible, um, like a tangible place for my feelings to exist outside of myself Um, And so that's kind of been my way of just allowing myself to like experience heartbreak or just 
all the things you experience as a human being. <laughs> there is something so tender about your approach and the way that you make sculptures, which, which but I think it's partly maybe because of the slab technique, but there's something so kind of like you can really feel your hands, you know, even mm. in the finished sculpture, like once you've glazed them, like you might have, um, like if we describe how they look, like they sometimes have like stars or yes. um, almost like gingham kind of checked fabrics, mm. you know, in the glazes, which is something that I really connected to when Russ first sent them to me, um, or even like a chain or flowers mm. or there's the, all these kind of different elements which which come together. But within all of it, there's such a fragility to it in the kind of visual appeal of it. Like, I really feel your your, your emotion in them. It's it's quite mm. unusual. They're actually. quite vulnerable. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're, and, and the cuteness, because they have these cutesy pie faces, so they have like Betty Boop eyes, mm. like big Bambi eyes, doe eyes. and But then they also have this kind of like a Murakami or a Yoshimoto Nara feel where they have this kind of like, it's it's an approachable cuteness, but then it's disarming when you look at it. So there there right. is a lot of emotion that's in these, but you're able to tell them stories by using this imagery exactly yeah i guess like the word cuteness it's more like maybe at first it's cute but the closer you get to it it's like oh whoa like i'm kind of scared maybe i shouldn't get too close but i think that's what i like about my pieces um yeah they're also like emotionally loaded. Like yes. I, I think you can, you, you sort of feel like the initial response is, oh, that's cute, that's pretty. And then when you look <laughs> inside, it's like, oh no, are they actually like tormented or are they going through heartbreak? Or, <laughs> yeah. or you know, have they just it's like deep, fallen out with things. one of their friends? Or yeah. exactly. do you know what I mean? And also when you saw, when we saw the installation in London, I was really fascinated by the installation of it because yes, they're individual like, um, works and beings almost in their own right but when you put them together they start to interact with each other and it becomes this kind of larger universe and world and it's really interesting seeing the dynamic change you know from the individual into the collective kind of group of the works we imagine them all talking to each other and like yeah. you know whinging at each other what's it like curating <laughs> like do you, how how do you like to? We just got to say together? this space as well though is incredible, which is a new space which is like this glass vitrine, which is part of Piccadilly Circus Underground Station. Yes. So if anybody passing through, you'll see it. And this was uh, a show that had five ceramic sculptures in there, and it's it's part of a series of shows called Interaction, which is curated by Kate Wong. So yeah, so what was it like that experience and seeing them installed? Because you had to do that over Zoom. Yeah. Presumably. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, it was it was really fun. I was still in school at that time and making the five pieces was crazy. Like looking back, um, I don't even know how I did it. But once I saw once Kate sent me the photos of the pieces in the Piccadilly station, it was it was really cool. Just knowing that people spent time or maybe just walked by my pieces who maybe may not walk into an art gallery or they're just like running to get home or like running to see their lover or running to just run away or something. Um, for my pieces to spend time with everyone in that space meant so much to me, despite me not being able to go there. Um, but yes, um, Kate just... I, so our friend Gray... Wolubinski, I don't know if yeah, you yeah, yes. yeah, they actually have a show in the town that I live in right now. Yeah, so um, I haven't met Gray or Kay in real life yet, but Gray <laughs> knew my work and they sent like a photo or they spoke about me to Kay and then Kay was curating the show. And so we just connected over Instagram and then that's just where everything started back in 
um, I think October of last year or something. I've just seen you, a solo you... of Grey's in town and, and then Grey's also curating something else that's just opened. They're doing in, incredible things. Yeah, yeah and also here so in Margate incredible. in a group yeah. show. Oh, yeah. Quench Gallery, yeah. So we've all got Grey in our lives right now. Um, <laughs> but you know when you... So when you put them together for a show, do you sort of mm. think about that as you're making them or is it something that the curation part of it, is that something that happens at the end? Like are they very much individual beings in a sense? Yeah, I think they are um, individual beings. But then once they are put together, they definitely feel like... To me, they feel like um, they're kids in a playground about to cause trouble or something. <laughs> um, I'm working towards this solo show in New York right now. And it's the first time I have about like 10 pieces in the same place because I'm always like making work, sending it off to a gallery. So I've never really had time to spend time with my pieces all together. And so seeing all my pieces together kind of made me really emotional because they're all individual pieces, but together they, as Kate like wrote in the um, write-up for a soft opening, they kind of are like an army of love or um, they have this like very mischievous, but also welcoming feeling to them. And so seeing them all together, really, I feel like I'm still trying to figure out what it means to me because... Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a very crazy feeling, actually. Mm. She actually <laughs> described it as a fierce army of lovers produced from Nick Penick Peng's care and a dynamism of intra-acting forces, which is amazing. But that, that, that word care is there and the word like nurture and protection mm. and dependency and looking at your Instagram when you post <laughs> your your BBs, when you're nurturing them, they're in your hand. It's like the scale of them is really important because you are protective of them so is it quite hard then you're saying like when you you sell them when they when they move when they leave you because they feel like they're a part of you and they have a lot of you know your emotions imbued in them Mm. Um, yeah so in the making process I feel all of that but once a piece is done I feel that it's ready to live it's like other life or it's next experience in life and so I don't really have a hard time letting them go, but it's in the making process. Like if someone wanted a piece while I'm making it, as in like if I have to give an unfinished piece to someone, I think that'd break me more than giving like a finished piece, if that makes any sense. I think it's more like in the process where I'm feeling all of that. But once I am finished with the piece, it's like, okay, like, please go like dive into the world, fly. I want to see you live your life. (laughs) Wow, so it's, it's, that's so beautiful. But it's like the, it's, it's the conceptual for you. The important part of these of your work is the conceptual development, creation of it, the, exactly. the thoughts and feelings, the ideas that go into it, and then the finished product is okay. You can go out in the world now. You're free. Yeah, I feel like once it's finished, it's not really a part of me in that sense anymore. Like I have a new, like I said earlier, like a different respect towards it. Like I see it as its own piece. I love so that. is it is it quite a cathartic thing for you then? Do you do do you feel like you're you're kind of like it's almost like a type of therapy or something? Like in the making, it gets you to like expunge all of those negative energies or positive energies, and then once they're gone, they're gone. And then does that help you personally <laughs> kind of develop? Yeah, I think so. Like, there's not a day that I don't cry in the studio because that's really? so much. I'm like in it yeah and so once um yeah once I let the pieces go I feel like I'm also letting 
um, something else go maybe. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's really intense. Like when I'm in the studio, a lot of the times if I'm not able to work, it's more me kind of like enjoying and reclaiming my studio space Mm -hmm. because sometimes it can become so intense that it's like hard for me to step into the studio. Um, And so every day I'm in the studio, it's like I show up for myself and my pieces and it's, it's really deep. It's not, um, something I take lightly. Wow. So there's a lot of motifs that go through your work. We have uh, like graffiti notations, which appear like the word love. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's certain words that go through like someone, one of them's hairlines has got words. Um, mm. And then there's, there's, you can see the mouth. Suddenly there's an O for a mouth or there's like a heart-shaped pouty lips. Yes. How do you come to these motifs? And do you, do you have rules for yourself now what you will and won't allow? Because stars appear and cherries mm. and a lot of hearts. Is there things that you're, you were like, I'm not going to put that in there? Or there's things that you're like, this, this has to be in there? Or there's rules you've set for yourself now? That's such a good question. Um, yes and no. So like everything in my hood is like what inspires my pieces. And with the rules, um, I think it's what I'm feeling in that moment. Like right now I'm glazing my pieces for this show and I'm kind of not wanting to put hearts in it or stars. So Mm -hmm. I'm more so just kind of playing around with how the glazes communicate with each other. Um, But yeah, Russell, it's so funny you ask that because there are times where I'll like make a mark, like a heart or something. And it's like, actually, I don't think I want to use that today or for this piece. So I'll like... Um, sponge it out or um, if there is a rule I think it's like how I'm feeling in that moment Mm. so maybe one piece might have a star that I'm making and then if I'm working so I work like if I have a body of work I'm not just working on one I like to hop around and so even though it might be the same body of work like if I feel like one piece I want to put a star in it I will but if the other I don't want to then I won't Got it. Interesting. So you've grown up in two very visual cultures in a way, because if you think of like California um, and America, and then you think of Japan, like, you know, they they both have very kind of rich um, kind of visual languages, Mm. you know, from everything from like Hollywood and L.A. or um, (laughs) even contemporary art, you know. And as Um, a kid, I mean, cartoons. Yeah, as a kid. So um, I, I heard that mistranslations are kind of something that inform the way that you've started to make work. Can you explore that idea a bit? Because I love, hey, I love that word, but also just this idea of like, you know, living between two different cultures and and also how that's informed the actual art making for you. Yeah, um, so just to give a little background, my mom, after high school, wanted to become a pro wrestler. Um, at that time in Japan, like becoming a pro wrestler to her was just like, she was in awe of having this persona wow. and just like kicking ass on a ring. And so... What was she, her name? What Chiha- was her wrestling name? Well, she didn't have one. So I'll tell you the story, but my mom's okay. name is Chiharu. Um, <laughs> so basically she like gets into wrestling and she's she goes to all these auditions and they're like, you know, she made it to like a good, you know, state. But then they're like, you don't really have the charisma or the persona we're looking for. And I think she took that as, okay, like I did what I can. Now I'll just get into amateur wrestling. And so then she just wrestled for a bit. And then she was like, okay, I need to do something. So she moved to Hokkaido, which is like, I think, north of Japan. It's where it snows in the winter. Or I mean, it snows everywhere in Japan in winter. 
but um, it's like a colder region in Japan. Mm-hmm. And she started making log houses. She was like in charge of like skinning the wood of the log. And so she was someone who was like free and just did what she wanted to do. And then my dad on the other side is very cryptic. I don't really know much about him. And so I think like as a kid, knowing where my parents came from, um, definitely, or knowing and not knowing where my parents really came from, I think was something that I was like always trying to. At the back of my head, figure out. And then moving here, I couldn't speak English until I was like seven.、Um, I was put in a class that like assimilated me to speak English. Like I went to summer school and I couldn't play when kids were playing because like my pronunciation wasn't right. So they'd have to fix it.、Um, and so I think all of that and also being a very observant kid. Because I couldn't speak, I think it gave me the time to just observe everything and kind of take everything in before even like translating it for myself. And so、mm. I think I really honed a not a skill, but like a a trait of just kind of like observing and taking things in and maybe kind of like translating that in my head and then making it my own. And then I think it all connects to how I express all of that in my work. I hope that made sense. Yeah, <laughs> do you still speak Japanese now? I do. Yeah, my mom was like, "You can learn English at school, but in my house, you're speaking Japanese." Wow. Yeah,、so cool. which is amazing. So、mm. yeah, like Japanese will always, I think, be、um, my like true way of being able to express certain th- certain、mm. things that I can in English, which is like kind of crazy. There's things where I translate to my mom, and it does not sound like what it sounds in Japanese. I mean, you guys, I'm sure know how that goes, but it's it's really interesting. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices. Down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get thirty, thirty. Ready to get thirty, ready to get twenty, twenty, twenty. Ready to get twenty, twenty. Ready to get fifteen, 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 fifteen. Just fifteen bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash switch. Forty five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just five dollars. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. And and also, so what about daydreaming and and dreaming? Because、oh、do you dream in Japanese then, or do you dream in both languages? And daydreaming seems to be、yeah. another kind of theme in a way.、Yeah. Oh my god, good question. I get asked that a lot. I think it just depends. Like I don't even think about it.、Um, sometimes I'm daydreaming. And I think I'm so invested in the daydream, I'm not even thinking about the language that it's happening in. <laughs> so, t- tell us about your daydreams.、Um, I love this idea.、Uh, I'm. I feel like I'm such a daydreamer. I'm always daydreaming about love and like the different types of love. I think like intense or airy or sensual or like. Mysterious.、Um, you are familiar with "In the Mood for Love," right? The, the Wong Kar Wai or the Wong Kar Wai film. 
No, it's like this it. film that's really subtle and the whole film kind of feels like a daydream, but it has this like um, hints where it's really piercing. Like it's like mysterious and kind of dark, but still very like sensual. And so I feel like that's what my daydreams are like. Um, and I wow. feel like I can also be really cynical too. <laughs> so, so you, like, you like romance. Yes. You, you know what it feels like? You know you used to get posters when you were a kid and you would have you'd kiss the poster or you'd draw little <laughs> things around it like a poster of Leonardo DiCaprio for example <laughs> was on every Is that every, what you did, Russ? I I didn't have Leo <laughs> DiCaprio. I actually had Pretty Woman Julia Roberts for one point, but that's because she was just like an, an icon. I was I like, had, oh, um, I had Prince and Madonna Ooh, and uh. Gladiators, which kind of links a bit to your mum because they were like, you know, uh, wrestlers. Oh, I had WWF wrestlers, yeah. <laughs> I, had, I had Ultimate Warrior on my wall and Hulk Hogan. But you know, like you had posters and you, as a kid you would kiss it goodnight or you'd draw like symbols around it. I feel totally. like your work feels like these teenage posters of angst and romance and falling in love with these kind of Hollywood stars and you know celebrities that don't even know you exist it's like they're kind of like fantasy dreamy yeah, of, yeah yeah and i can feel that like in in your pieces it feels like this energy there this longing so you know mm. for you the longing for love are, are, do you have love now is that too personal a question because you've got a lot of love <laughs> <laughs> it's not too personal um i did but then now i'm kind of going through like another heartbreak and so yeah. again like this longing and this um, yeah, I don't, it's really interesting. I feel like I have love, um, but when it comes to romantic love, it's just, so I, I feel like I am a very loving person and I know that and I feel like everyone knows that, but it seems like people see how true my love is and it like scares them or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, who knows, but, um, yeah. But I'm like pretty certain that I'll have love again soon and it'll be amazing. So Oh you <laughs> totally. do you are loved. Um what, tell us about your cynical side. Oh, my cynical side. That I mean <laughs> I was like, she has a cynical side. I was like, I wanna hear this. <laughs> well, I need more questions. I don't think I can just like like put it out. Do you have any questions that I can answer? Yeah. What that you can answer cynically? Or no. <laughs> 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 maybe no, I, I don't know yeah 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 no I but mean, that's what's good about you is that you know as an actor myself if I get mm. good feelings bad feelings I can channel them into a performance and for you as an artist you're going through you said like heartache at the moment but you know that there's an outlet for that you know that you can then put this into your practice right. so that must that there must be always a slight relief in some ways that you have that to know that that's there for you Exactly. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's a really big relief. And it's, I think and I'm able to kind of enjoy it more a little bit than if I were to have an outlet. I feel mm. like it can be really even more intense and not a really good outcome. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, what is it like your artist community there? Because you're in Los Angeles, aren't you? Yes. Oh, so I'm in Long Beach, which is a bit, it's like 20 minutes away from Los Angeles. So I'm like right. on the outskirts. Um, I mean, I, my friends, like Deanna, she also does ceramic work. We went to the same college and we like shared not the same studio space, but the same studio. Um, 
we kind of like grew up as artists together in that sense. And then um, artist community wise, I mean, I see them more as my friends rather than like an artist mm-hmm. community. But I mean, it is very like bustling and very, I feel like everyone has their own identity and is doing their own thing, which is so inspiring and so refreshing. Mm-hmm. And so I look at my friends and I'm like constantly inspired by not only like their art inspires me but like their experiences and what they have to like say inspire me to the core. And so it's a very like supportive and fun and like electric um, community for sure. And is Diana, Diana um, Yesenia Alvarado? Yes. Yeah. Because her work's amazing. I know her through um, Shula, Shula Mitt Nazarian Gallery in LA, no? Yes. Yeah. 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 I think um, she had a show there. Maybe, yeah, because yeah. Tori, Tori Ronas, who's an artist I work with, a performance artist from Norway, also does uh, shows there. And I'd actually seen her work. I didn't realise you guys knew each other. Yeah, I know. We're kind of like sisters. I, so I love cool. Deanna, yeah. <laughs> you two should do a show together. It would be amazing. Yeah. I know. We've been talking you know, to about it. to see the kind it. of conversation between you guys. Exactly. We've been talking about it for so long. Um, but yeah, it's going to happen for sure. Definitely. So what about the idea of armour? You know, if you think about wearing clothes and how that can sort of give us all a strength or a sort of inner power, you know, to express ourselves, do you see that as a theme within within the sculptures that you make? Um, like an armour to protect themselves or an armour? Yeah. Or resilience mm. against the world. Because they are, cause they Cause are they kind, of, kind of strength. They, are, they do yeah. seem vulnerable on one hand, but yet because of the quality of the work, they have this central foundation you build up on. They feel heavy and bulky and solid yes. and grounded. They're not going to topple over. I never look at your sculptures and think they're precarious. Yeah. And they even, feel even like even they're the there. Because I, I read yes. that the boots were referring to your Dr. Martin. Yes. But like even but if you think of a Dr. Martin, you know, like that 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 as a symbol would mean something to all of us. Like right. we spoke about it with um Charlie Porter, who wrote a book called What Artists yeah, Wear. Yeah, yeah. And he was mm. talking about this idea that if you look at a Dr. Martin boot, you know that means strength, you know, it means, mm. you know, resilience or all these different things. But within things. pop culture, you know you recognize where that yeah. place is. Yeah. And right, your you know, your right. sculptures sometimes have those, which I heard were linked to your own boots or yes. Or yeah, yeah, no, yeah, resilience against the world. I think, Russell, you put it perfectly. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I really appreciate when people see the strength in my pieces. I feel like you both kind of hit the spot for that one. Yeah, definitely. Um, like armor, like speaking back. I don't know. Yeah, it definitely has like this explosive um, character to it for sure. Mm-hmm. Who are your references like when it comes to popular culture or like high-low? What are the cartoons that you watch that you know that have kind of gone into this? Who are the artists mm. that you would like look at their work and go, oh, that I, I love, I want to follow on that legacy? Oh, good question. Um, Kelis. Oh, She's yeah, not, wow. Yeah, I love, love Kelis. Yeah, I love, love Kelis. Um, Me too. Yeah, Kelis Tricky. Yes. Tricky, the yeah. musician Tricky. Yes, exactly. I love yeah. Tricky. Yeah, I have like their photos plastered against my studio wall. No um, way. Yeah, like I mean their soul and like their presence is definitely what just keeps me going. And yeah, those two are definitely like... Um, oh my, my God. Not only reference. Tricky. Yeah, I know. <laughs> tricky was such a big part of my teenage years. Like, really? From the age of about 13 till 19, uh, all yeah. I did was listen to Tricky Records. Definitely. And like when he did that collaboration um, called Nearly God, 
which was like a kind of a bit of an obscure record that they did with the Björk was on and there were a few different people on it. That record is still like one of my favorite records ever. I think Terry Hall's on it. There's a few different musicians on it. But he is so genius. Yeah. And he always stuck to his vision, didn't he? And exactly. so did Khalees. Yeah, That's exactly. interesting that you've picked both of them. Yeah. Because they had mainstream success and moments of crossover into that world, but they always then took it back to exactly what they want to do. Right. And like this morning, I was watching Khalees on Instagram. Like I literally follow her every day. I love her. <laughs> but I was watching her put her face cream on. You know, she's got this kind of like food for the face, kind of food for uh, your skin uh, whole project. And I was thinking about that as like a nurturing thing and how generous it is of her mm. to like create these products and like think about food and how we can take care of ourselves, not just with music and culture, but actually with like, ingredients to like eat and put on our skin and stuff I love her yeah so so amazing just like I feel like any word I say can't even express how much like they mean to me but yeah it's it's really refreshing and just like encouraging to know that they have done what they did and I don't know yeah um I really go back to them. Like I'm always either listening to them in the studio or just looking at their photos. Um, like whether it was like a magazine photo or like an album cover, just everything and anything about them, I think just really fuels me. I love that. So how important are titles for you? Because I've got a few few listings mm. of your titles from 2021. We've got one that says, we blink together upon shooting stars. Another one that says, you're tough, my stale gum, in brackets, S. Could be uh, more than one gum. Uh, I'm getting dizzy, let's stop. We talked about that one of the two characters folded into each other. Uh, Double Dutch, Cherry Chaser, Star Licker, that was one from 2020. How important are these titles? Because they feel like track titles. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, Russell. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah, it's so funny. I feel like so... I have a really weird relationship with English, but after making work and like titling my pieces, I've come to really enjoy and love um, working with words. And I feel like the titles add like an extra oomph to my pieces. Um, And it's, but I also hope it kind of like throws people off because like, it's so interesting. Like I look at the piece and that's how I get the title, but sometimes I don't really feel like the title has to reflect the piece like the title itself is kind of like something that also exists on its own and they and the piece and the title kind of have I feel like the pieces and the titles are like holding hands but they're both um individual things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's great that, that kind of like juxtaposition of the two and like how they can create other ideas exactly so it's not it's not so literal is it that way yes it becomes more expansive and more it's up to the kind viewer of more to read can, into it yeah exactly it? yeah exactly yeah, yeah. and do you always do figures because i've seen one of uh, a motorbike called sugar water remix yeah but it, it, it you but predominantly it's figures it's it's the figure it's characters that you are exploring right yeah i'm trying to um expand more but i feel like right now i just sincerely want to make figures mm-hmm. um but for the show that i'm working towards right now um i'm wanting to yeah explore again with like a trike a tricycle motorcycle mm-hmm. bike like a vehicle that's moving mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and this is your show that's coming up at real pain gallery in new york city which yes. is on orchard street so that's in october is it Yes, it's in October. 
So what's that like to have your first solo there? Oh my god, I want to go. I know, I you like, should go. I wish we could travel and go. I know, I'll send you both photos. Um, I'm, it's insane. Um, I feel like I have no time. Right. Um, although it's like <laughs> two months ahead. It's, yeah. It feels like two hours ahead or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited. I feel, so for this show, I really want to make like a playground for my pieces too live in and how we were talking about earlier about all my pieces kind of being together create like a whole different force and i'm really interested in how playgrounds can feel desolate or activated depending on the bodies in the playground like whether it's kids playing kids fighting kids like bleeding kids bumping into each other i feel like so much happens in the playground but Mm. once all of that is gone the playground is just like the skeleton of like bars chains ropes and it's what i feel like whoever is in the playground is what makes a playground and kind of like the same for like cemeteries Um, And so I'm kind of like over this idea of my pieces being displayed. Like, I don't even like that word, but like my pieces being shown on a pedestal. And so for this show, I want to explore my pieces kind of activating a certain space or living in a space that's not necessarily just them being stagnant on a pedestal. So that's um, like another element um, about my work that I'm trying to like activate towards this show. So the full installation, you, you mm-hmm. the vision, it, and it's it's immersive, really. Yeah. So I feel like I'm still trying to figure out what that's going to look like, but I'm really excited to uh, make it happen. It makes sense, though, with your work to sort of create a total environment, mm. in a sense. Yeah. You know, like, because that is world-making, you know, like all mm. these... You know, I don't know. I think it makes so much sense. Yeah, I feel like they, it could be a really your, exciting way for you to go. Actually, they're like, your actors on a stage. You know, it's quite <laughs> yeah. theatrical. What you, what well, they are quite you, theatrical characters. Wonder where you got that from, Russ. I mean, <laughs> I that <laughs> but they do. I mean, that, that, about... that immersive thing feels like you are going to be seeing like a, a theatre production of your characters, all mm, sort of oh walking you around. So cool. Yeah. Can you talk to me a bit about the practicalities behind making the work and the sense of ceramics and like, do you fire them and do you fire them in your studio yourself? you have your own like kiln and also the glazes and how unpredictable they can be and like Mm. all of that kind of stuff right so I'm working out from home but I don't have a kiln and so I'm still firing at like facilities outside of my home um Mm. and so it's really funny like transporting them can be a really big (laughs) um like a really big element yeah exactly Mm. an adventure um and yeah glazing it's so funny um because when you glaze you don't I don't really know what the color looks like so I really have to just like have full trust in myself and then have the kiln and the glaze do its own thing um recently I realized that um, I want to use less of like certain colors um, and yeah it's it's kind of mind baffling um, it's hard like I don't it's always kind of like um, I'm playing the guessing game or something because even though I'll have a reference of what a glaze looks like with another piece again if it's next to a different glaze on the piece like once I take it out the kiln it could come out totally different and so mm. there's like a thrill to it definitely <laughs> do you sign your works i used to but now i don't Mm-mm. 
Right, right, right. Yeah. What is the, this is going to throw you, possibly or not, what is the best <laughs> advice you have ever had when it comes to your art? Protect your creative energy. Right. Yeah, good advice. Protect your yeah. creative energy. So, and what did you take from that? What does that mean for you? That means to say no to things that um, just to, don't be afraid to say no. Um, I've been showing since I was an undergrad, and there's been a lot of opportunities. And one of my instructors saw that I was like working show to show, whether it was a solo or a group show, and just like nonstop. And they were like, Nurmi, you're still in a process where you are trying to figure out what like your creative world looks like. And if you keep showing in this way, there's going to be so many like directions of pressure of people wanting you to make a certain piece and then being stuck. And so they were just like, just protect your creative energy. And then I took that as like saying no to certain opportunities or just not really... Like, I appreciate people's experience with my pieces, but to know that I'm not making my pieces for anything other than, like, wanting to make my pieces and yeah. for me to, like, express myself because um, if I lose sight of that, then I feel like I'm just becoming this tool to make pieces that people want to just put in their galleries and, like, make money off of. And, like, mm. it's really true. I feel like... I don't come from an art background. So everything I do with this, um, I'm learning as I go. And I'm very young. And so people are like, oh, you're like a baby in the art world, this, this and that. But it's like, yes, but I will do anything and everything to protect myself and my pieces. And so it's like, don't get that twisted, you know, like, mm. don't play me. <laughs> I, I also think sometimes, you know, it's not really about age. It's just about the time that you find the confidence in your voice. Exactly. You know, and that might be when you're 20 or it might be when you're 80, but, you know, right. or somewhere in between. And like, it's not every artist that sort of finds their voice at 40. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yes. And yeah, you're just gifted and, uh, you know, fortunate to have found it so soon, I guess. Yeah. Definitely. Amazing. Right. So we ask two questions and every guest that comes in the same two questions. The first one is, if you could do an art heist, if you could have any work of art in the world from anywhere in the world, and it could be anything, a building, a work on paper, a, a, a car, uh, a, a music song, what would it be and why? Wait, can you elaborate on the question? So an art heist, so you can go and steal, an steal any artwork for yourself oh. legally and you get to keep it like in your Like the Thomas house. Crown Affair or something. Yes. <gasps> oh my goodness. You could like break into a museum or you could do anything. Anything. I definitely, I'm not good with architecture. Oh, so there's this library, I forget the name, but it's like this pink glass circle library somewhere in Europe um i want to steal that and just live in that it's amazing it's what? like this glass circle library um with pink glass and it's it just looks like this ufo balloon that just landed in this like town wow. i know i'm i'm like blanking on the name but it's amazing um i would I would, yeah, that would be mine. If have you seen it yourself that. in the flesh? No, I've just seen photos of it. I have to visit it, but and you don't know what country it is. No, just Europe. <laughs> yes, we'll try and find that. I don't know what that is, Rob. Are you looking now? Have a look. I'm trying desperately here, to find here, it, see. and I haven't succeeded yet. Um, you know what we could do is we could maybe um, 
once we find it, we can put it on Instagram for everybody listening. Yes, please. What an amazing thing. It doesn't even sound real. It's right. I'm worried about the books with the sunlight. Yeah. <laughs> Protection. Maybe it's pink for that reason. Oh, I, I see. That's know. like a UV sort of yes. glaze. Yeah. I love that it's a library, though, so that you could, like, have so much information. You yeah. Know, it's quite a sort of good thing because you're going to learn from it. Exactly. Well, yeah, if you find a picture of it, send it to us. And then Definitely. We'll add it. The, the other question we ask every guest is, what is your favourite colour? <gasps> My favourite colour? Um, the colour of love. What is the colour of love? Okay, you know how the sky um, turns like this eccentric, like um, bright purple when a thunder strikes? Yeah. Yes. Like it's nighttime, but then when a thunder strikes, the sky kind of turns like white and like almost purple. I think that's my favorite color. God, that's a great description. <laughs> that's the color of love. A, a, a lightning thunderstorm is a May- color oh, of love. <laughs> I was thinking. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about Sade and her song "Kiss of Life." Yes. And when she says, "Look at the sky," it's the color of love. I thought of that, and then I thought of the lightning. So I think both the color of love and this, and the color of the sky when lightning strikes, would be my love, answer. Love, 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 and also <laughs> love Sade. I mean, yes, she is love. She she I mean, is love. And Sade is generous, <laughs> she is generous love. human being ever. Well, she is because sorry, like her contribution to culture mm. and definitely, like, it's actually second to none. Mm. Our friend um, Maxwell, he's a amazing singer in the states and he just came on talk out recently and he's really close with Sade and um, wow. I've never met her and I really want to meet her I, I know her so yeah Achilles Tricky and Sade are definitely um what keep me going Trinity. yeah Imagine. yeah is, and also I've just been thinking the Wonderland album by Khalees where she's kind of looking in a mirror on the album cover I was obsessed with that album uh, cover, that kind of like reflection of yes, her looking down. Yes. And then it got me thinking about Cindy Lauper. And I think she has a real connection to Cindy Lauper. And Cindy was one of my kind of 80s heroes. And her album where on the back cover she has her shoes from a very kind of similar weird angle. And you see the bottom of the shoes with a kind of Edvard Munch painting on the soles of the shoes. Wow. I think it was an album called She's So Unusual. But I love this kind of connection you know i think Khalees is really inspired by cindy and they became friends but i like through album covers how they can kind of communicate to each other it's totally cool. yes yeah i love that love. um before oh, we go i want random. to ask you about your instagram which everybody should follow because you have these incredible photo shoots on there where you're modeling with your uh bbs uh, and you're like lying alongside them and you've got them in your hand and you hold them up to like uh, posters and you like show them to the world and you it's it, like, this, like you're christening them and that's your way of like <laughs> baptizing them to the world um that's amazing i i like because there's quite a lot of work goes into making them videos mm. yeah I, it's it's kind of just me playing with my pieces before i let them go because once as we were talking about earlier once they go i can like never really see them again perhaps or like spend time with them and so yeah like the photo shoot my friend Jillian Jillian Garcia who's like an amazing photographer and like filmmaker Mm -hmm. um I asked her to take photos of my pieces with me or I asked her to take a photo yeah of my pieces um with me like holding them or spending time Mm -hmm. with them because I just wanted like a visual remembrance of what um I look like with my pieces next to me so yeah I love that 
And also you described yourself in your bio as licking angel. What does that mean? <laughs> um, like an angel, but I mean, I lick and bite maybe, so watch out. Like, again. Love. <laughs> <laughs> That's like me being Scorpio. You need to write that on your Instagram, Rob. I'm going to be like, you're, you're, a, kick, my you're tail. a kicking angel. <laughs> which is actually there's a title of a tricky record that's to do with angels Uh, angels with dirty faces i think it was wasn't it or something um uh, tricky tricky. i love yeah angels with dirty faces that's an amazing record from 1998 so everyone listening go and do your homework and get through all of tricky's (laughs) discussion yes please um what is your instagram handle just for everyone listening Narubu, Narublu, N-A-R-U-B-L-U. Okay, great. Naru and everybody should follow that. Naru and then we've got your show coming up at Real Pain Gallery in New York City, which is on 30 Orchard Street from October. Have you got a date Ninth, yet? Or is it October, October 9th to November 20-something. Great. And then is there <laughs> anything else in the meantime? Or are you just working on that? Um, There's like... A Miami Nada Nada N A D A fair happening. Yeah. Um, cool. and I'm gonna put a few pieces in there through I think Real Pain or I don't know if I'm supposed to say who's in it, um, but yeah, my pieces will be in there. But that's pretty much oh, Nada's it. Nada's the best. Right. Love Nada in Miami. It's like one of the coolest fairs. Mm. I discovered so many people in that fair. It's like a great thing to do. Mm. Um, and it's a great thing to visit as well if people are able to travel. And also, um, excerpts from this interview, I think, are going into Oda magazine, which is spelt O-D-D-A magazine. And <laughs> Russell, you've done some like fancy shoot like for them, talking about constellations Ooh. and talk art and different things. Exactly. But I think part of the article is going to be that. So thank you to everyone at O-D-D-A, Oda magazine. Yes. And I'd like to say thank you to Antonia Marsh at Soft Opening, who's been so sweet to us. And um, help connect us a bit and all those things. And I really respect what she does at Soft Opening in London. So if you have a chance to go to Piccadilly Circus, you know, check out her exhibitions. And also she does exhibitions in East London um, near kind of Maureen Paley Gallery and Correct. Project Native Informant, like that whole kind of yeah, crew down Bethnal there Green. who, we, who yeah. we love in Bethnal Green. So, yeah, Narumi, it's been such an honour and privilege to speak with you. Loved it. I absolutely love your work. And Thank um, you. I think it works so gr- well because it is so authentic and it is... You know, you are protecting your universe and it's good advice for everyone listening. Protect your creative energy. Yes. Yes. Great. Well, well thank you for listening. See you guys we'll next time. We'll be back very thank soon. You. Everything you've talked about will be on Instagram. See you all soon. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. 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 You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamond and Russell Toby. Follow us on Instagram at Talk Art, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in today's episode, with music by Jack Northover. Subscribe to Talk Art at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and write us a comment. Thanks for listening. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com